everyone, and welcome to episode 49 of the Enlighten Me podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie, and thanks so much for tuning in. I'm super excited that you are listening today. Last week on the show, I introduced you to Laura, who is a sustainability expert and someone who has spent a lot of time studying climate science. Right now, Laura works for the local government in the sustainability sector by day, but by night she hosts her podcast, EcoChic, which I highly recommend checking out if you are interested in more conversations about climate action and sustainability. It's a really fun and educational show. Last week, Laura took the time to explain to us non-scientists what exactly climate change is. We also discussed things like why we don't hear the term global warming as much anymore, why climate change is such a controversial and politicized topic, and why it needs our immediate attention. This week, we're moving on to talk about what we can do about it. Of course, when we hear about problems like this, our immediate response is always, okay, what am I supposed to do? So that's what Laura is going to share about today. There are definitely things on the individual level that we can do, but there are also things that we need to look for in policy from the businesses we support and the politicians we elect. For my American friends, this conversation is just in time to do your research before voting day is here. Maybe some of you have already voted thanks to the early voting option, but if you haven't yet, I really encourage you to educate yourself more on this topic before you decide who you're voting for. And that's not just for the presidential election, but even for your local candidates. For everyone else listening who is not in the U.S., it's still just important for you to know what to demand from our world leaders and, again, from the businesses and corporations we support. Even though this is a heavy topic, Laura and I have a lot of fun with it, and of course she gives us lots of amazing recommendations like some really good podcasts that she loves and even some tips for how to talk to people who deny that climate change is real. So I really enjoyed learning from her. I loved having her on the show, and I know you're going to enjoy this conversation also. Don't forget about leaving a review as you listen. As many of you have heard me share before, I'm currently donating money for reviews that I receive to two really cool organizations, Young Life and Water Mission, to provide clean water for people in need. So please leave a review and help me give more money away. I ask you to do this because leaving a review helps more people to find this show. And something else that helps more people to find the show is word of mouth. So share the show with someone that you love, someone that you think needs to hear this conversation. I want as many people as possible to hear this conversation, especially before election day arrives, so please share. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you know when the next episode is available. All subscribing means is it's free, you just click a button, and it means that the podcast app that you listen on knows to download each new show when it's available. So make sure you do that and you won't miss any shows that way. All right, that's all I have for you. Enjoy this continued conversation, part two with Laura. So I feel like we've covered, you know, global or I I'm, can't get out of the habit of calling it global warming, but climate change, <laughs> I feel like we've covered that pretty thoroughly, and hopefully people have a better understanding of kind of what's going on there. So I want to talk about the solution, like what what do we do to solve climate change? And one thing you mentioned is that you're not a big fan of telling people, like you said about your carbon footprint, or, or that like the solution like lies on our shoulders necessarily, like as individuals. So my question for you is like, can individuals make a difference and and why don't you like telling people like it's all on us essentially? I think that the immediate reaction to learning about climate change is usually like, what can I do? Like, how am I going to make a difference? And that's a very reasonable reaction. I had it too. And I think an easy place for an individual person to start is food waste and just maintaining 
a compost pile in your backyard. That's an easy way to cut down on your waste and cut down on the methane being emitted from your household. But generally speaking, I like to encourage people to think about their individual actions and make changes because if you're not thinking about climate change on your individual decision-making scale, you're not going to be voting for people that care about those things as well. And you're not going to be purchasing from companies that care about those things as well. And you're not going to be demanding better from organizations when it comes to their environmental impact. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really about consciousness and individual action is important, but collective action is seriously powerful. And Mm -hmm. I always say this, that it's very econ 101. It's supply and demand. Let's think about just even the grocery store. People said we want to participate in the trend, quote unquote, of veganism And we want Mm -hmm. more dairy-free options. And now there are entire freezers at the grocery store dedicated to dairy-free ice cream only. Think Mm -hmm. about that. So that's like a really good example of very basic supply and demand, individual action influencing the market. And I think climate change is very similar. And I think that that example of dairy-free ice cream works in a lot of senses because, yeah, if you're not advocating for better climate plans from corporations or better climate action commitments from your governments, it's not going to happen. Someone has to stand up for it. And it's really on the individual level to rally your friends, talk about climate change, talk about it with your family, make people aware of Mm -hmm. why it's important and why these individual choices are tied to climate in some capacity. But Mm -hmm. the change that we really want to see has to come at the policy level. Um, So, and then on the policy level, I I'm a big advocate for a carbon tax, which is one that people may hear about during the political election this year, the federal election. And I think carbon tax is one of those words that it sounds really intimidating and Mm -hmm. people don't like it because it's taxing people and people don't want to pay more for things. Mm -hmm. But a carbon tax is quite literally what it sounds like. It's just putting a price on the amount of carbon that's being emitted. And usually that's at the corporate level. It's not on individual people. So if a corporation is emitting, let's use an even number, like 100 tons of carbon every year, and every ton of carbon is valued at $10, which is like a pretty standard belief of what could be reasonable, $10 times 100 tons of carbon every year, $100,000 per their carbon emissions every year is pretty significant. So if you're a business, you want to cut out costs wherever you can and increase your profits. So the reasonable thing to do is to decrease those carbon emissions and maybe next year you're only going to be paying $80,000 and then the following year $50,000 or whatever it may be. So the point of a carbon tax is really to incentivize companies and corporations to decarbonize as much as they can and reduce their own emissions. And this was actually a project or a concept that won the Nobel Prize for economics in 2018. The carbon tax is really the most reasonable way that we can solve the climate crisis on the federal level. And then things like just stricter emissions regulations, like we were talking about scrubbers on power plants, just making those even stronger and allowing us to emit even less chemicals than we were in the first place. And then funding things like an electric vehicle economy. We know Mm -hmm. that Tesla, for example, is the most profitable car brand of all time. Mm -hmm. And it's not because it's an electric vehicle. It's because it's an attractive luxury vehicle. People aren't Mm -hmm. buying into it necessarily just because it's an EV. So I think making those kind of solutions attractive and attainable and affordable, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that you can get tax incentives, not just for buying an electric vehicle, but you can also get a tax break for putting solar panels on your house. And there are options out there that people think that perhaps 
climate change is a little out of reach, out of touch. But if we're continuing to fuel these incentives, you know, on the back end, on the federal level, they make them way more reasonable. And we can really see a shift in our economy to something cleaner and greener. Yeah, sure. Okay, wow. That's yeah, that's super interesting. You mentioned that those are like things we can look for in policy. I'm wondering, just in case there's anyone listening who like, maybe works for a big corporation and wants to know or runs a small business or whatever. Like, what exactly do we need the corporations and institutions to do to reduce their carbon footprint or whatever term you like to use? I forget. But but yeah, what, what exactly does that look like for them to reduce their carbon emissions? Sure. I think that when we're talking about a small business, perhaps, and this also works for individuals, I really encourage people to think about where they're banking and where they're investing and how they're saving because your money isn't necessarily sitting at the Wells Fargo in the shopping center down the street. It's being invested and it's going into different corporations and it's perhaps fueling some activities that you're not necessarily morally aligned with. So whether that's fossil fuels or the tobacco industry or guns or whatever it is that you're just not interested in giving money into, you don't know Mm -hmm. if your bank is doing that. So thinking about where you bank and looking into where your bank is investing is important. And the same thing with your savings is as an individual, if you have a 401k or whatever type of savings account you have, a Roth IRA, there are options for low ESG plans, which is essentially just plans that are thinking about their environmental impact and plans that are investing in companies that have pretty high standards for themselves economically. And then I think when you're talking about corporations, if you're someone who works at a corporation and you're interested in knowing what your corporation does, in 2020, most major companies have a climate plan. And that's not to say that they're all super strict or specific or anything like that. But even if you're Mm -hmm. to Google Patagonia climate plan 2020 or BP climate plan 2020, there are documents out there. Mm -hmm. And it's really up to you to continue using those critical thinking skills like we talked about to look through that plan and find really specific tangible targets. So not so much we're going to reduce our emissions, but we're going to reduce our emissions by this amount, or we're going to invest this amount into clean technologies or whatever else may be. Mm -hmm. So there are documents out there that you can look for for your own company. And if you're in a decision-making position, I think that there are a lot of options for people to think about investing in clean fleet. So maybe you really like EVs, you can't necessarily afford one on your own, but your department is in a position to buy a new vehicle for whatever reason. Advocate for an EV. That's a really easy way to start. Um, So Mm -hmm. just thinking small, but also thinking that there are, again, like major dollars at play in this scheme. I think a lot of people don't always realize how much money flows through these corporations, how much money flows through government organizations, whatever else it may be, and, and thinking about using that money wisely where you have influence. No, definitely. I really like what you've shared, obviously, like just at home, like the little changes we can make. And I always like to encourage people that like we're never too small to make a difference Mm -hmm. like obviously if all of us together make small changes like it does have an effect so doing things like you know composting or or whatever Mm -hmm. it is like reducing your food waste and and all that stuff but I also like what you're sharing because it makes it feel like more attainable I think like Mm -hmm. there's less pressure on us it's not it's not like the weight of the world is on our shoulders because I know for me I see, I I follow a lot of uh, sustainability influencers online and, you know, a lot of people will be like, ride your bike everywhere. And I'm like, 
oh my gosh and what do you do if you have a baby like how do you ride your bike everywhere like <laughs> like I could I could maybe make it to the grocery store on my bike that would still be pretty far but then how would I get my baby and all my groceries back like I just don't know how that's you know that's just not practical for so many people like not saying it's impossible but that would be really really hard like that would take hours probably so yeah I just feel like sometimes uh certain people whether it's you know influencers online or whoever can make you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and so I like what you're sharing where it's like okay yeah there are things that we can do and even doing those helps us to just be more mindful of who we're supporting and and the choices that we're making and but it's also about like voting with your dollar like you said and putting that into action and voting and and looking at the climate change, like what candidates have to say about climate change, because that is that is a question that they get asked about. And so where do they stand? Like, do they deny that climate change is real? Like, do they have a plan in place? Like, are they going to do something to, to make a difference with climate change? So I really like what you're sharing for people. Thank you. Thank you. And I like what you said about candidates and realizing what they're saying, if they're accepting it or not. And mm-hmm. I think... I love this. I think it's a Neil deGrasse Tyson quote that says the great thing about science is it's true whether or not you believe it. And I heard that in the context of climate change saying that we should stop asking politicians if they believe climate change. And we should frame that question as, do you accept climate change? And we should also thinking, we should also think about just, do you understand climate change? Because I think a lot of people don't Mm -hmm. realize that politicians at the end of the day, they're politicians, they're not climate scientists and they're not really posed to answer all of these really big questions we have on carbon taxes and what's happening to the atmosphere and whatever it may be, but they do have advisors and they do have climate plans and they do have people yeah. in their circles that are going to advocate for, you know, quote unquote, the right thing. So mm-hmm. it's really a matter of not only don't think about it so much as like what president believes in climate change or what president accepts climate change, but it's who's going to actually fund and support other people in this work. Mm -hmm. that's a really great tip and I think too I always like to point out that a lot of listeners don't live in the United States and so Mm -hmm. this isn't just for U.S. politics but I mean I think a lot of I think a lot of other countries are doing a better job with Mm -hmm. climate change climate action Um, but still I think what you've shared is helpful for people to even look at like okay, what what policies do I agree with? Maybe even both candidates do have a climate action plan in place, but which one is going to make more of a difference, have more of an impact? Which one do you agree with more? So I think what you shared is really helpful for everyone, no matter where they live, which is cool. I also wanted to ask you, how do you recommend for people, I saw you had an episode about this and I haven't listened to it yet, but I really want to, but what are your tips for people who are discussing this topic with their friends or their family who don't believe in climate change or who don't accept climate change, as you call them, the deniers and the skeptics? How do we handle those conversations? Yeah, what do you recommend, especially for people who don't have like a scientific background but, but know that climate change is real? Uh, what do you recommend for people? I like to recommend going about those conversations with some sort of moral, not what's the word I'm looking for, like level playing field almost. So Uh the example that was first given to me when I had a little bit of a training in this was looking at coal workers. And if you're in an area that has lost a lot of 
coal-related jobs saying, we really need to continue funding the coal economy and the coal mine economy because I really want to make sure that these people get back to work or look at all the people that have lost their jobs. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, a lot of people have lost their jobs. And because I also want people to have jobs, I think that we should invest in this green job training or technicians for windmills or whatever else might work in your area. So that's kind of a very basic example of the opportunity to take something that you may share or common values and really expanding that into, okay, here's another option with that same idea in mind. And Uh I think also something that is very helpful to remember is I think a lot of people, when they get really interested in climate change and environmental lifestyles, you have this kind of innate, innate desire, I suppose we can call it, to encourage your friends and family to pick it up too. And it's like, okay, well, did you bring your reusable bag? Okay, are you going to skip your straw too? And, and things like that. And I think a lot of people feel kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? A little bit, yeah, attacked again. And it's like, uh-huh. oh, you think that I'm you know, not good enough because I don't bring my reusable bag or I'm really sorry, but I really need a straw. And yeah. I think that's okay. And I think just reminding yourself that you can leave those people alone in the sense that if mm-hmm. you're continuing to lead by example and live your life in this environmental space, leading by example will encourage more people to join you than you would think. And people do take notice. I think for a long time, I also believed that like no one was noticing me and no one was caring what I did. And none of my friends really realized it. But it really does impact people if they're continuing to see you live this environmental lifestyle in a very attainable, reasonable way. Yeah, definitely. That's really good advice. And yeah, I feel I can kind of relate. Like I have a lot of friends that will (laughs) do something or say, say something about like going shopping or whatever. And they're like, sorry like don't judge me (laughs) and I'm like no I don't like I don't judge you I'm like I'm not perfect and so I you know try to take those opportunities to be like oh my gosh it's fine I I'm not perfect myself like I go shopping too you know (laughs) like things happen it's okay like I I'm not perfect zero waste like I'm not perfect at any of that stuff but you know, then they also know that, like, I'm a person, hopefully they know that I'm a safe person that they can come to when they do want to learn more. So that's really cool. Exactly. And I think also, like, giving yourself some grace, like you said, like, I'm not perfect in my zero waste lifestyle, or I'm not perfect in whatever else aspect it may be. Mm -hmm. And I think giving yourself that grace is really important, because I think there's also a lot of anxiety and like you said the weight of the world on your shoulders when you're not doing something as perfectly as you imagine yourself to be yeah and that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself it's not healthy quite frankly and it's not really sustainable in the sense that like if it continues to be such a burden on your mental health you're not going to continue wanting to do it yeah so giving yourself some space to make mistakes when you do is really important as well yeah definitely and something I've been learning more about like especially through the online community is that living sustainably isn't always like a choice for people either like uh, some people you know don't have the option like can't afford to eat the vegan option when the meat is cheaper like that's unfortunately the world we live in like a lot of times the sustainable option can be more expensive and that's not always true like you don't have to buy anything to be a sustainable person like you don't need new products or whatever but but there is some amount of like privilege in those choices. So even just recognizing that like it's not always going to be an option for everybody, let alone yourself, like depending on 
the lifestyle that you live. Like for me, I, I left my full-time job recently. And so we have had to change some of the ways that we do things. And some of them aren't ideal for me. Like there are things that I would like to do differently, but it's like, it's just not always an option for people. And that's okay. Like you have to have grace for that too. Yeah. I think that's a really, really important point because I think that there is a lot of privilege in the sustainability space, especially online, Yeah, that is not super warranted, quite frankly. I think that a lot of people don't always realize there has been plenty of cultural groups and lots of generations before us that were reducing their impact being, being that they are, you know, recycling every single country crock butter container or whatever yeah. else it may be. Like, people were doing this before it was really beautiful and Instagrammable. Yeah. And it's quite frankly, like in the space even of veganism and saying that everyone should go vegan or whatever, it's really privileged to believe that everyone needs to live the way that you do. Yeah. And even outside of the vegan space, like I, I, quite frankly, like I can't imagine a more like morally unappealing way to live, you know, not to put that on anyone, but it's to say that like, why do you believe everyone needs to be the way that you are? And it's also just a matter of outside of veganism, it's like, if everyone can't bike to work because they have a baby or they live far away or whatever Mm -hmm. else it may be, don't force them to and don't make them feel bad for making the choices that they do. And in the same way we were talking about encouraging people to join this environmental movement however they can and making it as attainable and living by example, you have to take that same kind of acceptance mindset into a lot of things because you are not going to encourage people to buy into veganism if you're making them feel bad about their choices. That only pushes people farther away. Yeah. And, you know, veganism is one example, but it's even just like the straw thing. And, you know, if you have a friend that is asking for a straw with their drink, don't make them feel bad about their one plastic straw. Let them live their life and they can choose to participate in another area if they'd like to. So just making sure that it's a friendly community is also really important to me. Yeah, I love that. That's really good. Okay, if you had to pick, what would be one main message that you want listeners to walk away with today? Oof. (laughs) Just nothing happens in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. Your choices do not operate by themselves. Climate change doesn't operate by itself. And everything you do really does impact the planet, whether or not you acknowledge it. And so just make choices that you are proud of and make choices that you feel strongly about. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Okay, I'm going to keep you for just a little bit longer and ask you a few of my fun questions. What is the most impactful book that you've read? I guess I'll say Drawdown. Like I mentioned that organization earlier, they have a book that came out in, I believe it was in 2016, and then they just did a Drawdown review in March, and it's just some super digestible research just with dollar amounts that we would save by investing in certain solutions. Mm. And then I would also say that if someone's interested more on the sustainability side of the climate conversation, I really like the book, The No Impact Man. I believe the author is Colin Beaver. I want to say his last name is, and it's a narrative. It's like a fun, almost biography story, but it's about this man that tries to live without any sort of impact on the planet for a year. Oh, cool! And it's really interesting just to see like his, kind of struggles and revelations living that way. Oh, cool. Yeah, that sounds like a really good, like, not too hard of a read for for people. Yeah, it's a really fun read, actually. Yeah, awesome. Good recommendation. What about, is there anything you've listened to recently that you think everybody should hear? Like, I mean, obviously your podcast, but besides that, other podcasts or documentary or anything like that? 
I really like the Green Dreamer podcast because Mm. it's really focused on more of like the planetary impacts, regenerative agriculture, food choices, and things like that. And then I really like the podcast Global Optimism with Christina Figueres, I believe that's how you pronounce her last name. Okay. She used to be the head of the environmental program for the United Nations, and she does some incredible work with a lot of really interesting high-level people on her podcast. Like, there was a conversation she had with the current president of Gucci, like the fashion house, and they were talking about the environmental impacts of the fashion industry and things like that. Um, So that's a great podcast that I really enjoy. And then I also, again, like I said, I like lifestyle podcasts. So I really enjoy podcasts like the Naked Beauty podcast, just podcasts that make this more environmental, clean, friendly living as easy to understand and enjoyable as possible. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, that's why I love these questions because, like, I swear every time I have a guest on, like, what they tell me, like, the book or the podcast or whatever I've never heard of it like I haven't heard of either of those podcasts so I'm really excited to check them out that's awesome yeah I think you'll really enjoy them I love I listen to a lot of podcasts and yeah I think something else that I really enjoy is political podcasts which I think mm-hmm. is kind of like a wild card answer in the climate conversation <laughs> I, yeah. I like things like you know the NPR up first in the morning uh-huh. but I also really enjoy uh, the Betches Sup podcast it's a daily podcast that's really funny. I mean, it's pretty liberal, but it's also just a climate, not always a climate rundown, but like a political rundown of everything that's happened in the news that day. And just explained in a really like funny, attainable, friendly way. Like it's the most millennial friendly podcast network that I've ever seen really. Okay. So I think also just like making yourself aware in ways that you can actively enjoy it, I think is important too. I think, you know, especially before the election, like people weren't always consuming political information every single day and that's okay but if you're gonna do it make sure that you're consuming it from sources that like you actually enjoy and want to come back to yeah it shouldn't be a chore right no yeah I agree huh that's interesting okay what about a brand or a product that you can't keep your hands off lately Hmm, that's a hard one I guess I really like clean beauty I really have been having a lot of fun just like trying out different skincare products I Mm -hmm. got this mask recently by glow recipe that is a Korean influenced skincare brand it's all clean it's clean it's for and I have this really delicious like watermelon overnight mask that I've been really enjoying and I think that was probably like my most recent like fun item Um, but otherwise sheets like I love really nice uh, bedding I mean Uh I think everyone enjoys going to bed yeah and I have these sheets from a brand called Etitude that are bamboo lyocell sheets so Mm. they feel like silk but they're completely vegan and I don't think a lot of people realize also that silk is not vegan it's made through the boiling of alive silkworms it's actually kind of sad when you think about it but yeah so there are um, yeah it's awful and there are some vegan silk alternatives which I really enjoy as well Uh uh-huh yeah and and also a lot of people don't realize that bamboo is so soft like some people Mm -hmm. I've said something like bamboo and they're like oh my gosh that sounds uncomfortable and it's like oh my gosh no bamboo when it's turned into fabric is so so soft so it's so soft it's also incredibly I I think that bamboo is the most this might not be right so like don't quote me word for word but I think that bamboo is the most easily regenerated plant or something along those lines like it's 10 times more uh profitable in a sense or like productive than Uh other plants or um you know whatever you know whatever the stat is on bamboo but yeah it's it's a weed so it takes like really low energy really low water to produce yeah it's super soft it's it's a great really 
usually more affordable option than a lot of other things on the market. Right. Yeah, yeah. A very, very sustainable choice. And I have, I actually have bamboo in my yard and I can vouch for it that it grows (laughs) like crazy. It's insane. So very cool. All right. So how can people find you? Tell us where to find your podcast and social media platforms, all that good stuff if they want to connect with you. Sure. Ego Chic is available wherever you listen to podcasts. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Mm me. And I am also on Instagram most actively at Eco Chic Podcast. And that's where I primarily live. I I love Instagram. Um, Mm -hmm. I also am on Facebook and on Twitter. And Twitter is my personal name, Laura E. Diaz. And I also have a newsletter, which I really enjoy that you can sign up through the link in my bio on Instagram. Yeah, I love the newsletter. It comes out once a week and it's just a fun place to share like climate and sustainability news and the latest on the show. And it's just a fun way to keep in touch. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show and for educating us about climate change. And I think you really helped to break it down. I know at least for me, you did. And I'm sure other people feel the same way. And also just affirm why this is important and why it deserves our attention and why it deserves us to think about who we're going to vote for and all that good stuff. So thank you for taking the time to share with us. I really appreciate it. And for your podcast, I know how much work goes into that. And I think what you're doing is really cool. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Mackenzie. I really enjoyed this. This was a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing happens in a vacuum and all of our choices have consequences. I love that important reminder from Laura and also love the wisdom that she shared that this isn't just about sustainability swaps. Yes, you should definitely get a compost bucket and try to reduce your food waste. And yes, it would be so great if you could bike and walk more places or buy an electric car rather than using your regular old car. But it's also about the organizations we support, the businesses we buy from, the banks we invest in, and even the candidates we elect. It's much bigger than what happens in our homes, so let's demand more from each other. I hope you feel educated and empowered to do your own research on who and what you want to support, and also to continue these important conversations with loved ones. I also hope you found some good new books and podcasts to check out. It's always so fun for me to hear about new shows and reading material that I should check out. So a lot of times I am selfishly asking those questions at the end because I want all the recommendations, but I hope you found some new ones too. Don't forget about leaving a review. Remember to subscribe to the show so that you don't miss the next one and share the show with a friend. I would love it if you'd actually share online so I can hear what you think of the show, hear what your biggest takeaway was, and that way more people can see it, more people can know, and more people can learn about the important topic of climate change. You can find me online on Instagram or Facebook. I have two Instagram accounts now, one for my personal account and one for the podcast. So the links to those and everything else that Laura and I referenced today are in the show notes, which you can view on the app you're listening to right now or on my website, heartfelthippie.com. So check those out, connect with us. And one last reminder, get yourself one of those compost buckets so you can start reducing your food waste. Do your research on climate action plans before election day is here and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out.